0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Can you need my key somewhere. What? Can you my key. I guess so. How are you doing? Here, uh, you can. You need to pull this back. Okay. Be too close to the speakers. Yeah. Okay. There we go. It is a Sunday morning. There you go. Whoa. Like every other Sunday morning here at St. Paul's, except, of course, it isn't. This is a special Sunday, for it's been just about one year since St. Paul's vestry did all of us a blessing by calling Annie to be our rector. I had to tell 845 to applaud. Annie did all of us a blessing by saying yes to that call. We didn't yet know Andrew and AJ, and nobody, not even Annie yet knew who Wesley was going to be. He was a wonderfully bonus unknown. Of the people who come to St. Paul's, there are only two who have claim to definite seats every Sunday. Annie is one of them. By her calling and by her function, she sits in the sedilia. The rector's seat, a chair that is so dedicated that it gets a Latin name. And Glen Walp is the other one. By his calling and by his function, he sits at the organ bench. Actually. <laughs> Actually, Glenn has three seats. He gets to sit at the organ bench, he gets to sit at the piano bench, and he gets to sit at the chair right beside the organ. (laughs) Do you have an accustomed place? Do you have a favorite, favorite seat you like to sit in in church? Some years ago in another congregation that I served long ago and far away, there was a lady named Olive. Olive was so proprietary about her seat in the sanctuary that she'd stand and glare at the unknowing visitor who all unwary tried to sit in her seat. When Olive died, that seat became her memorial because we put a little brass plaque with her name and her birth and death dates on the back of that seat, permanently fixed. Would that sort of memorial be appropriate for you? seats do we sit in when we come into this house of the Lord? Whose house is this building? Isn't it peculiar that we are something like Olive and feel okay about being sort of proprietary about our comfort zone in church right down to the seats we want like to occupy? In the hymnal for the United Canadian Church, there's a great new hymn that addresses exactly that sense of ownership by church members. That hymn is titled, Come in, sit down, be part of the family. And one of the verses says, children and elders, middlers and teens, singles and doubles and in-betweens, strong 85ers and streetwise 16s, greeters and shoppers, long time and new, nobody here has a claim on a pew. Whether we're many or whether we're few, we are a part of a family. Nobody here has a claim on a pew. Everybody is invited and everybody is welcome. That's today's gospel in different words. It was a Sabbath, like many other Sabbaths. Jesus had again been invited to be a dinner guest. you know, Jesus didn't exactly care who he had dinner with. He ate and drank with his friends. He could have a good time with tax collectors and gluttons and sinners. But on this Sabbath, he was invited to an ever so proper dinner by an ever so proper host. A very dignified man indeed. It is said that all the other guests were watching Jesus sizing him up, checking out his table manners maybe, and waiting on him to do something outrageous. Well, Jesus watched the other guests too as they jockeyed for prominent places of honor, and he didn't disappoint those waiting for him to say something shocking. Jesus said, when someone invites you, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished than you may come. And when your host comes and tells you to give up that honored place for the more important guest, you will go in embarrassment to the least important place. So rather, when you are invited, go take the lowest place. And when your host discovers you, he will say, friend, move up to a better place. And then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And That wasn't enough. Jesus then addressed his host. Imagine how it felt to that proper Pharisee when his hospitality was critiqued by his guest. Jesus said, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, in case they invite you in return and you are repaid for your hospitality. No, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And you will be repaid, rewarded at the resurrection of the righteous. And the gospel goes on to say, and you will be happy. I don't think there's a better promise in the Bible than, and you will be happy. Jesus put into radical practice the demands of Torah law about hospitality and relationship with others. In the Hebrew scriptures, God repeatedly commands the Israelites to care for those unable to care for themselves, especially the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Jesus' whole life in ministry asks a question all too obvious. Why isn't this already being done since God commands it? Jesus' vision for living with one another was then and is now counterculture to the ways of the world. For whether in the Roman Empire of the first century or the American Empire of this century, the secular world assumes that you get ahead by working on climbing up the corporate ladder by jockeying for the right relationships, by accumulating money and position and power. It's very counter to Jesus' call to us. And some of the first Christians lived into the vision declared by Jesus to be God's way. They practiced a radically communal lifestyle that's described in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, saying, all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need, day by day. They spent much time in the temple and broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. The scholar John Dominic Crossan that this is how the early church grew so contagiously. He says growth didn't happen because people told the story of the resurrection. First century cultures were full of stories about people who died and were reborn into a new life, gods who died in a cycle of death and renewal and resurrection. Wasn't anything new there when the church told about Jesus and his claims that God's justice and community were already breaking into this world, when the church demonstrated trust in that claim by living into new community, those Jesus followers were demonstrating a radical new experience, a contagious experience, an experience that others wanted to have letter to the Hebrews, encourages Christians into this kind of life. It says, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Hospitality is a core value for Jesus and for his church. It is also, I am glad to believe, value for this congregation. You and I are the folks at St. Paul's who are charged with sharing radical hospitality, with making radical welcome. Well, that welcome was easy to do with Annie, wasn't it? I mean, after all, we advertised that we had an opening, and we had an opening, a vacancy in our church life that only someone like Annie could fill. And when our vestry discovered Annie after they went hunting for someone like Annie, they told her about both the blessings and the needs of St. Paul's. And they learned from Annie of the inspiration and knowledge she would bring to shake up St. Paul's people. Just as Jesus shook up the guests and the host that long ago Sabbath day. And Annie is stretching our comfort zone, getting us out of our accustomed and comfortable seats, thinking and acting on new vision. I know she's doing that to me because of the 845 service when we have to say that newer version of the Nicene Creed and we miss the father and the son, I go every single time I am being stretched into discomfort. Well, I think we're doing that to Annie too. For she is receiving, listening, responding to the St. Paul's way of life, to the, but we've always done it that way, the seven last deadly words of the church. (laughs) Sometimes there's a variation, but Father Smith always did it that way. Thank God none of you say, well, Mary always did it that way when she was rector. (laughs) Now some of y'all are visitors today for the first time. If you are among those courageous people who have cold called on a church, a very scary thing to do indeed, please, please come over to the parish hall after services and let people get acquainted with you. We're pretty nice people when we're thinking about it. Most of us Episcopalians make jokes about how we are not very good at evangelism, at inviting people to come and go to church with us. At the same time, we want and we encourage visitors who will want to become active members. What might happen? What might happen if we were as deliberate about going out to look for new people as we were when we called Annie and Andrew and AJ and Wesley? What would happen if we were open and honest about what we really need, not just what we want so that we can comfortably continue us? How can we learn to be so inviting of others that we shall welcome how they can and should change us and at the same time share our trust in the foundations of our religious life, our trust in scripture, tradition, and reason. What could happen if we deliberately lost the language of we and they and became only Thank you, Blanche. <laughs> Shoot, how can we open up and learn right here? Eight forty ers and 11 o'clockers, Creseists and not croceists, millennials and old crocs like me, How can we learn to enjoy each other and our different habits and customs instead of criticizing each other more than we give each other credit for being in the same church? There are so many of God's children who do not yet know they are welcome in God's house. Look around you. All those empty places that can only be filled if you allow God to use you issue real invitations, and practice a real humility of welcome. May we have many, many opportunities to practice God's sort of fellowship and God's sort of hospitality. Amen.